Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Well, 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 here we are at church on a Sunday. Come on, somebody, give it up for yourselves. To those of you who are worshiping with us online, or maybe you're a guest with us in the house today, thank you for choosing LifePoint Church. We're honored that you would invest time here with us this morning. My name's Andrew. You can call me Andy, Pastor G, whatever floats your boat. Doesn't matter. Um, I'm one of the teaching pastors here at LifePoint Church. But here's the deal. If you're new with us, do me a favor. Come back next week to hear our lead pastor, Danny Rivers, speak. He's over in the Philippines right now with one of our partners. Ima's home, prepping and doing some good work to help take some of us on a missions trip probably sometime this next year. But I'm telling you, you don't want to miss out on hearing him communicate God's truth. We have some incredible pastors here at LifePoint. And if you believe that, would you just give it up for our pastors, Danny and Rachel? We are so, so blessed to have great pastors, and I'm telling you, come back next week. You won't regret it. Now, today is part one of our series, What Keeps You Up at Night? And I'm going to be honest, right, as if I would lie, because of course I'm a pastor. I would never lie, except to maybe students, because you got to keep them out of hell somehow. So, you know what I'm talking about. Students, got to love them. But hey, (laughs) that was messed up, but hey. What I want to say, though, and I kind of just want to get this out of the way early on because it's something that we need to admit, okay? And and for a minute, hear me out. A lot of us, in a lot of conversations that I've had lately, a lot of us are not doing well. I want to let that sit for a moment. A lot of us are not doing well. Too real? Maybe. But as a family of faith, as believers, we need to kind of take down our masks and without judgment just acknowledge how so many of us are actually feeling. We, me, you are not doing well. And and here's what I believe. I believe that today that those of us who are willing to be honest with ourselves, honest before God in this space, who are willing to stop pretending God can do a work today in our lives, bring some healing and some wholeness that you desperately, desperately need. And so before we walk into the text today, before we move forward, I just want to pray over us. So can we bow our heads? Heavenly Father, we just ask, Lord, that you would enter this space today. That we would recognize, God, that your presence is here among us now. Open up our hearts, our minds Help our eyes see, our eyes hear, our heart be receptive and open to your word today, God, as it goes forth. God, find us, Lord, in the midst of our world that feels like it's breaking down. Speak to us, steady us, in your name we pray, amen. You know, I can can vividly recall my first breakdown, right? And and I'll be candid, I never thought of myself as someone who, like, like, that would happen to me. Like, when people talked about being anxious, I, I honestly just couldn't connect the dots. I didn't, I didn't get it. Like, I always thought of myself as someone who could handle the pressure. Like, if you've been around me, like, I just come off as a dude who says it as it is and lives life as it comes. Like, no regrets. Not even one letter. You know what I'm talking about? 
And when it came to anxiety or mental breakdowns, I didn't get it. And when people talked about being anxious, I was at a loss because I had always been steady. I had always been stable. I was always consistent, able to handle the weight of reality and the pressures of life. Or so I thought. And I didn't get it until one day when I woke up in the middle of the night, shot straight up in my bed and realized I don't know how we're going to make it financially. My heart was racing, my mind was spinning, I felt sick, I felt like I had lost all control, my imagination seemed to be drowning me, drawing and erasing all sorts of different wild conclusions and scenarios. My wife was in dental school, I had taken a step of faith and decided to be a pastor full time, and while we had prepared properly prior to her going into school and me going into ministry, we had put a good amount of money into savings. How many of you guys know universities be lying, my man, about how much they really cost? <laughs> and life, life is expensive. Plastic things break on your vehicle and it's like, that's 1400 bucks. It's a piece of plastic. Life is expensive. And here we are, Two years into her program, and in the dead of night, my mind suddenly connects the pieces. It pulls the dots together because I'm a little slow. The math wasn't mathing. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? And for hours, from the night to the morning, I found myself working the problem until exhaustion finally caught up to my body, and I had played out all possible scenarios that I can think of. And while it seemed impossible, somehow I would make it work. And the truth is, I'm not the only one who's had this kind of struggle. If you live for any length of time, we all find, we all realize that we are battling with stuff that keeps us up at night. The New York Times released an article December 17th of 2021 titled, Why 1,320 Therapists Are Worried About the Mental Health of America Right Now. And in their survey, they recall hearing words like anxious, overwhelmed, burned out, stressed, depressed, lonely, isolated, stuck, empty, uncertain. And a lot of us, done. Words, so many words that I think so many of us in this space right now can relate to. Probably words that you have experienced this week. And we do, we do such a good job of acting like we have it all together, don't we? I know I do. If we could measure our lives by how it appeared on the outside, the world be looking good. We've got the right pics to post. We wear the right clothes to represent. We've mastered the art of makeup to look exactly how we want. We're polished on the outside, but our minds, our bodies, our souls are poisoned on the inside. What do we do? Where do we go from here? I want you to turn with me to Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. And we know this passage as Jesus calms the storm. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And this is Jesus telling them where they're going. 
And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was, he being Jesus, was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm, and he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Peace be still. Does this scene feel familiar to anyone right now? Do you feel like you find yourself in this headspace where you are drowning? That your life is on the line? That God isn't showing up or lending you a hand and you don't understand that because his word says that he will never leave you or forsake you. Your world is so rattled right now that you can't find rest, you can't find peace, All you know what to do is to cry out to God, do you even care? God, are you even here? And I can't help when I read the text be drawn to the fact that a handful of Jesus' disciples were fishermen. Professionally, they had been fishermen. They knew what it was like to be on the sea under less than ideal circumstances, and yet this particular storm was so powerful that they found themselves with no strength and no power outside of an act of God to be able to save themselves. And I think this is so relatable because a lot of us have handled a lot of things. We've gone through a lot of life. We're veterans at dealing with the pressures of life, solving problems, handling stress, navigating issues, being faithful to God until we aren't. And whether we are veterans of life or veterans of faith, figuring it out or still searching to understand the mysteries of life, life has a way at getting to us at some point, some way. All people, healthy and unhealthy, spiritual and unspiritual alike, find themselves in a hole they do not know how to get out of. In the middle of an ocean with waves looking to swallow us whole. What is keeping you up at night? What situation, what circumstance, what relationship, what thoughts, what feelings are you battling with that is stripping you of your faith or standing in the way of a faith in God for him to come through on your behalf? What does it look like to have peace in the presence of a storm? To understand what it means to walk in peace, I think we need to understand what it means to walk in faith. And what's so interesting and incredible about Mark 4 is that this appears to be an account of a full day spent with Jesus, Jesus, that I think that when we read it through and through, it leads us to find what it looks like to have a firm foundation and peace in the midst of a storm. So let's start at the beginning looking at the words of Jesus. 
In his teaching, he said to them, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he was sowing, some seeds fell along the path and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, maybe you're a little bit confused about what Jesus just said. The good news is that the disciples were a little bit confused too. And this is commonly known as the parable of the sower. And some commentary actually says this is more correctly probably a parable of the soil. You see, the difference was never the seed, but rather the soil on which the seed fell. And Jesus continues to explain. He says, And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside outside of the kingdom of God, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, that they may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? To those of you who have been walking with me, listening to me, my words, underneath my direction, building a faith with me, do you not understand this parable? Because if not, how then will you understand all the others? And then Jesus hands them the key. The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy. But they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. And then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves to be unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. Now, it's easy to look at this verse and see how these soils are interpretations of people. But there's another truth that's being spoken here. You see, as a believer, I can attest to the fact that in my own life, I have actually seen, looking back, all of these soils present within my own walk of faith. There have been plenty of times, looking back, where I can see how my faith was the worn path, hardened by life, hardened to God, when God was trying to get me to see the truth of his word in my life, unfortunately, I couldn't. And as soon as the seed was given, the word was spoken, it was taken. I was unwilling to hear God or take him at his word. 
There have been times when my faith has been like the rocky ground. God's word has lifted me up over my circumstance in a moment, in a day, over a week, over a month, but my faith was shallow. My heart was in a position to hope, but it did not know what it looked like to believe. I was counting on the benefit of faith, but had not endured the walk of faith. That word, God's truth, and my trust in him didn't take root. It didn't have life, and my faith eventually failed. There have been times when God's words had been sown among the thorns, and we can easily miss this. You see, the farmer didn't just throw seeds into a thorny field. The farmer had cut the weeds off. He had burned the field. It looked like it was good soil. The problem was he had not taken care of the things that were underneath the soil. What appeared ready to receive good seed had all sorts of things left unmanaged below the surface. Seeds were sown, they began to germinate, but the weeds did too. And regaining strength, they grew with such speed and power that they choked out the life of the seed. You see, I understood who Jesus was. I believed in God's saving grace and power, but I had not worked the ground of my own heart properly. There were traumas and issues in my life that I had left unaddressed, things that were on the back burner that I thought I'll deal with that one day that unfortunately undermined my own faith in God. And what I've noticed in life, what I think a lot of us can attest to, what is true for me, what I think is actually true for you, is in those moments when God's word seems to fail, when our faith seems to falter and we turn back and we ask him why, because we have no other place to turn, we surrender just a little more. We die to ourselves a little bit deeper. And this is, this is so interesting because we open ourselves up a little more to God in a way that we couldn't have before if faith had succeeded. You see, I don't think that God wastes a word within our life. I think that every death, every failure of faith enriches the soil of our heart, mind, and soul. The spaces of our lives that were once dead get tilled up and a little bit of life begins to enter. And eventually over time, there's enough good soil to be found in our lives that when the word of God comes, it finds good soil to grow deep roots and grow wide and grow up and bear fruit. But there is a process to faith. There is a path to be walked. It's interesting that Jesus said, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, in other words, what is true has to be tried and tested in order for you to believe it. And what Jesus, what Jesus has to say next embraces us in the mystery of this human experience. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and it rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. How exactly the seed grows is a mystery to the farmer. But it grows by a process he cannot see or fully understand, and yet he learns to trust the process of growth. This is how the kingdom of God operates. 
We work in partnership with God, but the real work is his work. We trust in a process we can't see or fully understand. God's word works invisibly within us. God's promise is that his word, when planted in our lives, will prove itself fruitful, will prove itself giving life for the purpose to which he sent it. And so when we hear the word and accept the word, the word begins to go to work. It works in us spiritually in ways that's invisible to our eyes to be able to see. And with this parable, Jesus is trying to connect us from the visible to the invisible, the physical to the spiritual. Because have you noticed that nature's growth in life is constant? Like if you own a home, you got a yard, that sucker got to be cut like every other week. Not in the summer, because thank God everything's dead, but still. (laughs) But at the right time, growth happens. And it happens slowly. Minute by minute, day by day, moment by moment. Month by month, year by year, until what was small becomes big. What was insignificant becomes significant. And it's incredible to me that a tree, through the process of growth, can become powerful enough to split through concrete. It's incredible to me that a grain, a a weed, right, can grow and break through asphalt. God unfolds his power and his plans day by day, moment by moment, slowly, quietly, and consistently. It's inevitable. There is nothing more powerful than growth, and nothing can stand in its way. This is how the kingdom of God operates. This is how God's work and his will goes on. And this is where patience enters the picture. Because as creatures of the moment, we think in terms of now, forgetting that God has all of eternity to work with. God can take as much time as he wants God is looking to cultivate our lives in his time over time. And it requires us to have patience with his process. And to punctuate this, Jesus records is recorded next on speaking on the parable of the mustard seed. And a grain of mustard seed was proverbially the smallest thing that they knew of, but that had incredible capacity and potential to grow so much larger than what its humble beginnings appeared. And then this brings us back to where we started. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with him in the boat just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was asleep in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And this is why he asks them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Have you not seen and journeyed with me who I am and what I've done and how I have continually showed up and seen you through. Please hear me. We can't miss this. Jesus is astounded in this moment by their lack of faith. 
They thought the storm was going to take them under, and Jesus is at a loss. Did you forget who's in the boat with you? Jesus can't seem to understand how he's carried them so far, and in this moment, they think he's going to let them sink. And if this was purely a record of Jesus calming some natural storm, there would be no relevance in this story for us. But what's so intriguing is that the way that Jesus rebukes the storm is the same way, the same language that he uses to rebuke the spiritual adversaries that had come against him. Which means that I think that this storm was not of natural causes, it was a spiritual move against Jesus and his disciples. But while Jesus slept, the disciples panicked. While Jesus left control in the hands of God, the disciples moved to control the situation for themselves until they realized the only thing left to do was to turn back to God. How often is our response just like the disciples? When things aren't going the way that we thought they should. Expected, hoped, believed, we panic. We lose our cool. We fumble in faith and we cry out to God, where are you? Why have you? Why me? Why now? How could you? Why would you? Who are you, God, that you would be willing to play with my life? Why does it feel like that everything in my world is on the line? How could you, if you love me, why would I endure so much pain and suffering right now in this moment? Did we not wake up with breath in our lungs? Has he not seen us through day by day, moment by moment, breath by breath, provided even to the moment that you find yourself in now? Has he not seen you there the whole way? He has not provided for you your whole life just to let you go now. We think of peace as the absence of problem. We think of peace as the absence of pain. We leverage peace as if we have any real power in our own world. We don't. But God can give us peace when life's problems involve us in a tempest of doubt. When we're crashing against the waves of uncertainty, when we find ourselves up against problems that we have no idea what to do, at a crossroads where we have no idea where to turn, God is there. And if we would just turn and say, Lord, which direction would you have me take? One of two things would happen for us. Either the way will be made clear, or I would argue the mind will be made calm. And it's in this moment, this posture of surrender, God, I, I cannot do this on my own, that suddenly we have stepped into the presence of God. And where the presence of God is, there is peace. Peace is not the absence of problems. Peace is found in the presence of God. Peace is not 
the absence of problems. Peace is found in the presence of God. Peace in the eye of the storm. Peace in the pain. Peace in the problem. Peace that doesn't remove us from the situation but puts the solution back in God's hands. The moment that you face right now is not by accident. God has been sowing seeds of his word into your life for this moment. He has been preparing the soil of your heart through moments of faith and moments of failure so you could experience life in a storm that feels like it is bringing you nothing but death. To trust him now, to hold fast when it feels like all is failing, to remain true when all you can see is loss. I know that it feels like it's more than you can bear. I know that it's overwhelming on a soul level. I know you might feel like you can't make it, but even Jesus knew what it meant to be kept up at night. Even Jesus struggled with the weight of his own humanity. In Mark chapter 14, this is what it says. They went to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And Jesus said, sit here while I go and pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him and he became deeply troubled and distressed. Jesus became deeply troubled and, and, and distressed and he told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Do you find yourself there now? Does it feel like all of your world in this moment is caving in? Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and fell on the ground. And he prayed that if it were possible, even Jesus prayed, if it were possible, the awful, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Abba, Father, he cried out. I know that everything is possible for you. Please, I'm begging you. I'm desperate. Would you take this cup of suffering away from me? I don't want to endure what I'm going through right now. Would you please let it pass? Yet God, what I desire more than anything is your will be done. Not mine. Even Jesus, as a man did not fully understand why this had to be, why this path needed to be walked. He only knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that if this was God's will, he must go on. Jesus, too, had to take the great leap of faith. Jesus had to accept, as we often must do, what he could not understand as a man. Don't let this miss you. Don't miss this. Here in this moment, we find Jesus wrestling in prayer. And like many of us, Jesus was kept up in the night in agony. And I can only imagine this moment because Jesus now must have had a pretty good idea about what the will of God was for him. And here is Jesus struggling to submit his will to God. And if even Jesus, if even Jesus had to struggle in the garden of Gethsemane, how much more are we going to struggle in life 
to see God at the helm of ours? How much more difficult will it be for us to find his peace in our problems and in our pain and in our moment of suffering? But if it was necessary for Jesus, then it's necessary for me. Even Jesus was lonely. It's incredible to me that he takes with him three chosen disciples and they were so exhausted that they couldn't stay awake. Catch this. Jesus had to fight this battle all by himself, even though he wasn't physically alone. Often what keeps us up at night are certain battles that we must face, decisions that we must make in the awful loneliness of our heart, mind, and soul. In the spaces and places that only God's comfort, God's grace, God's spirit can enter and find and sit with us and bring comfort to us. And here, we see that Jesus trusts God. Even in what seems to be like absolute silence, God is not recorded responding back to Jesus. Did you catch that? But Jesus knows the presence he's in. And it's the presence that reminds him that I can have peace even when all seems lost. And he submits to the will of God, Abba, his father, this one word that reminds us that Jesus knew that God was not one to make sport of his life. That God loved him more than words could express, more than the mind could possibly fathom. And that while Jesus did nothing to cause this storm, that God would see him through it. And Jesus shows us that in the face of our darkest storm, in the middle of the night, as our minds are racing, as our soul feels sick, as our body feels broken to the point of death, that our response should never be to turn and run, but to walk with God through it. Peace be still. Peace is not the absence of problems. Peace is found in the presence of God and in the midst of life's toughest storms. There's no three-step process. There's no application to steer your way out of it. We only have one response, to trust God against all odds. And trusting means remaining faithful to the best of your ability to remain true and believe that God will see you through even when it feels like death is near. Because if God sets you on the path, then he will see you through to the other side. He is a good father who loves his child you are his child. And I know that it might feel like he is asleep in your life right now. I know it might seem like God is silent and that he doesn't care, but he has never left you. And the peace that you need is found in his presence, and his presence is here with you now. I want to pray over you. Heavenly Father, so many of us, God, have come into this place, and God, if we were honest, we are, 
we are presenting really well. That we are acting like we have all things together, like we've got it figured out. But there is so much struggle happening within our soul that no one is getting to see so many thoughts that we are struggling with, feelings, God, that we can't shake. Our imagination, God, is running wild. And God, if we were honest, having faith in you right now, it feels so, so, so hard, so difficult, so senseless. But God, right now you are here. And in this moment that we find ourselves in, God, what feels like we're walking through alone that you have left us, you are trying to remind us that, no, I am trying to help my word be true for you and your life. In this moment, would you trust me? Would you trust that I love you and that I would see you through? Would you trust that I've been faithful and I will continue to be faithful to you because you are my child one that I would never leave or forsake because my love for you is so deep and boundless and endless. I would never leave you on your own. God is here right now in this moment, in your pain, in your suffering, in your struggle, as you are awake at night and you're wondering, where, God, are you? He's there. Would you just believe that he will see you through? Would you just trust that the words that he's spoken to you are true? Heavenly Father, breathe life on us right now. In this place, in your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand? We're going to have our prayer partners up here at the front during this next song. Here's my challenge for you. If right now you find yourself in a space, in a season where it feels like you're being broken. You can't handle the weight. If the thought has run across your mind, I'm done, I'm done, I'm spent. You need to come and get prayer. You need to come to this, take a step of faith and believe that God will meet you and bring a healing and a wholeness that you have been longing for this whole time. Let's worship with the band. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.